Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host this is episode 112 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen within sports and especially in america we love the underdog and our guest kelsey plum has flourished her whole career with an underdog mentality While surprising many by attending the University of Washington, Kelsey would help lead the Huskies to the Final Four her junior season and then would become the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball her senior season and is the second all-time leading scorer in all of college basketball, only behind Pistol Pete Maravich. She would be named the Naismith Player of the Year and then would become the number one overall pick in the 2017 WNBA Draft by the San Antonio Stars before the team would move to Las Vegas as she was named to the WNBA All-Rookie Team. While playing overseas in Turkey, Kelsey has helped win two Turkish League championships and a Turkish Cup, and she even helped USA basketball coach Dawn Staley win gold at the 2018 Women's Basketball World Cup. Here's episode 112 with Kelsey Plum. All right, we're here back for another episode of Rich Take on Sports, and it's my honor to have Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces here with me. Kelsey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I uh, greatly appreciate it. I know you just got done doing some lifting, so Trying what to get was it big, like today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. You know, day before a game, so just trying to get everything activated and all that stuff. Are you a big weight lifter? I actually do enjoy it. I think, like, from an early age, my dad had us doing stuff, so I kind of always just was in that mode. So when I got to college, like, I know some of my teammates had never touched a weight or anything, but, like, I had been lifting, so it wasn't – I like it, and I see the benefits of it, so I, I enjoy it. For the longest time, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. basketball players, that was taboo to lift weights because it was going to affect your shot. Yes. And so – but have you seen just the opposite? So it's interesting because I've always heard that, and then growing up, my dad was a football player, and so he would be like – he calls me plumber. He'd be like, plumber, lift, and then we're going to shoot after. And so, like, you're tired or whatever, but, like, you can still get your shot mechanics. That's always what I've done, just lifted and then shot after. And I mean, it's turned out okay for me, so. Well, I would say so. <laughs> so I, I just listened to him. I don't know where he got it from, but whatever. Well, you're the most prolific scorer in college basketball history, only behind Pistol Pete Maravich. So that's very good company from that standpoint. 
So you mentioned your dad and early on. So let's walk back mm -hmm. to Kelsey Plum growing up in San Diego, California. What's kind of the first memories of you understanding what sports is? So I come from a big sports family. So my dad played baseball and football in college um, at San Diego State. My mom played volleyball at UC Davis. I have two older sisters. One played volleyball at UC Davis. One played volleyball at the University of Oregon. And then I have a younger brother that played football at UC Davis. So everyone went Division One and played sports. So it was never like... You've got an overachieving family here. <laughs> it was, yeah. I feel inadequate. No, no, not at all. It was just like that was the environment we grew up in. So, like, it was interesting because now I'm an adult and now I see that it is, like, abnormal that everyone in your, in your family not only played sports but at a high level. Um, but growing up, it was seen for me as just, like... Is that just normal? It was just, like, this is... It was never a question of, like, if I will. It was, like, just a matter of, like, when or where, you know? And I think... It could have been bad, but like, I just never had a backup plan. I always just was like, I told my mom when I was 10, mom, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be in the WNBA. How'd she respond to that? And she just kind of looked at me like. Cause every kid has some type of wild dream, right? right that, that they, they tell their parents, right? Um, you know, I appreciated my mom because at the time she just said, okay, well, we have a lot of work to do, you know? Um, and then I remember when I actually got drafted she was crying and I you know I said mom like everything okay and she was just like I just want to let you know when you were 10 and you told me that I didn't believe you and I'm sorry wow that hit me because I was like wow like she but I I give her so much respect for not crushing it you know yeah, she back then she yeah didn't she didn't say, tell me you can't, you can't do, do it she was just like okay well we have she was just like I want to let you know like I'm sorry like, I'm, I'm all in you know and that's even impressive for her to admit it yeah. later on as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's her opening her heart and being very transparent and vulnerable to admit that. Because as a parent, I've got three teenagers. And that's the last thing you, wanna... you really want to do <laughs> is admit to your kids that mm. there's times when you're wrong. But especially when it's in terms of something about their dreams and their right. goals and you know what they want to accomplish. Because you never want to say you can't do that uh, right because that can obviously affect people's mm -hmm. perception and just their drive because i know it for me that was actually a motivating factor because i i heard a lot growing up that i couldn't do things mm. so from a motivation standpoint what was motivating you back then to oh gosh. say that you're going to be a wnba player i mean i came from an athletic family but i was kind of like the black sheep like i was a little bit chubby I had a unibrow um I didn't fit in like with like kids a lot of people so I was always spending like you said time on your own in the backyard just like shooting by myself like that was like my thing and um Did I just you find peace oh my gosh just so much peace I, at lunchtime you know like everyone would play I'd just go shoot like on my own um and I think I had a lot of people say like like coaches or like whatever I would I was very outspoken like I sh I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and people would like laugh at me or <laughs> you know whatever so it was kind of the underdog because I was like I said chubby and just wasn't like did you feel that you didn't fit in no I, I was a confident kid but it just I, I didn't have it my athleticism wasn't there I just wasn't it wasn't clicking yet I didn't hit my peak yet so 
even my siblings were really hard on me. Like, it's funny now because my sister, uh, Lauren, she's two years older than me. She went to Oregon. She played volleyball. Uh, growing up, she was really, really hard on me. Like, a bully. Like, what ways? Like, like oh my beat gosh. Beat you up or just? Beat me up, but like, you know, make fun of me, talk about how chubby I was, you know, get everyone else to gang up against me. Just like, tough on me. And now she jokes, she was like, well, I just want to let you know, like, I basically made you, you know, <laughs> like, made you whatever. I'm like, Thanks, Laura. she takes all the credit, it. she yes. tells people, you know, but. Um, but obviously it, that did shape you, though, to a certain degree. No, it really did. I, I had to kind of, like, grow that tough skin. And I had that, like, mentality of, like, I don't care what you say. I don't care. I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And, you know, it took me a while. I was a late bloomer, like. I wasn't, I mean, I was like decent in high school, but I wasn't like great. When I got to college, I, I was good, but it wasn't like, you know, I had to work my way up. It's, it's fascinating seeing people now look at me and, oh, you were the number one pick. You are the all-time leading scorer. These things weren't like prevalent for a long time. It happened like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had this great senior year, but it wasn't like it was, uh, I was the number one recruit coming out of high school. I was the number one, you know what I mean? So it was so interesting being the underdog my whole life, and then all of a sudden, it just changed. Yeah, and then you're a star. It, it was never, like, I don't know if it was something that I wanted. It just kind of just happened. So you don't feel that you wanted to be a star? No, I always wanted to be a great basketball player, but I didn't really ever think about like like fame and like media and all this stuff like I wanted to play in the WNBA I never said I wanted to be the number one pick you know what I mean like it, it, yes. and I'm serious it, it and was that like, is a different level it is it, it's, it's crazy it's still something that I'm trying to do with because it's like I was never that kid you know I was just kind of like the one white kid on the AAU team that would show up and <laughs> try to kill people, give them 30 or 40, but I wasn't like the athletic whatever. So it's just, it's been, it's been a challenge for me to try to figure out like my new niche or whatever, like that being professional. Yeah. So what are you trying, how are you approaching that then? This new fame, this new stardom? Yeah. Um, how are you know, you it's been, that? it's been tough on me. Uh, I think I didn't really see it coming until it was like too late. Like it hit me really fast. Um, my rookie year was like super hard. I mean, I got hurt and I was trying to come back and I didn't play well. And then even last year, just trying to still figure it out, kind of got it towards the end. You know, now I'm in my third year and um, it's a new team. Like, I mean, technically it's the same team, but it's a new team. You know how many pieces we have. And so, um, I mean, I'm always going to figure it out. I, I work too hard and I just, I'm too competitive, but... <laughs> It's hard because I think people's expectations and the time that people expect to like want to see something is so unreasonable. Yeah. Well, I, you know? I do feel that we're in society the way it is today. It's what I call the microwave generation. It's, it is. They want results immediately. And success doesn't happen overnight. And however you define success, right. that's relative, obviously. But it's most stories you hear about people having 
oh yeah, it's a 15 year overnight success. Mm. You know, it takes time, but nobody wants to, especially when you're in the, the spotlight like you are, being the number one pick, they want to see you coming out and making all WNBA your first year, right. et cetera. Have your parents been helpful you know, with that or how have they been in terms of this whole new, because now all of a sudden their daughter is a star. Yeah, I think, I think it's taken some getting used to. Just like, I mean, my family's funny. They still like, if you hang around them, they, I'm still, they still mess with me, joke with me, talk trash <laughs> to me, you know, whatever, yeah. like families do. That's family. They keep you humble. They really do. Um, I think, I think they've handled it well. Um, they, they love me. They encourage me a lot. Um, but I don't think anyone can really ever prepare you for the monster or the beast. Like, it's something that you have to figure out yourself. Um, and it's something that, like you said, in our microwave generation, you know, I get questions from people all the time, like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you score like you scored in college? Why don't you do this, like, and, you know, I just have to step back and smile say you know what I don't know I don't know what's wrong with me you know and I like I pray a lot and I I uh I think it's just something like you said it's it's not it's like that 15 year overnight success type thing and people don't understand it and you know we'll look back in a couple years when I do get it and we'll be like oh you know it came or whatever and it's gonna come and I know it but in the meantime, you just have to stick it out. Yeah. Well, it'll be just like what you talked about your career. Exactly. It, right? Your your whole career has been that way. Just, exactly. You'll hit your stride mm-hmm. at some point, and then the, the rocket ship will take off again. Right. right. Now, you mentioned praying. How important is mm. faith in your life? I think it's, it's hard to like put into words, but um, I just know that at every step, of my life, God has directed my steps, and um, He's always made it like very clear, like what I should do, like, and I think, you know, I always pray for like clarity. And um, right now, I'm praying for patience. And you know, it's like <laughs> you ever heard that saying when you pray for patience, He gives you opportunities to be patient. Yes. You know, He just doesn't give oh, you patience. You get tested. Oh my right? God. Trust me, I'm being tested. I feel like I'm being tested every day. But, um, you know, it's something that uh, I'm just, I'm grateful for. I think that in this whole process has made me closer to him. Because I I think that um, when everything's going good, at times it's very easy to, like, forget. That's right. And so maybe maybe this is the reason all that's happened, but... um, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for it, and it's a constant, you know, thing that I'm working on, but... Um, How early on did you come I'm, into your faith? I mean, I grew up in a, like, a Christian home. We went to church a lot, and my, my parents, um, they're Christians. I think they didn't push us onto it. It was like, this is... It's a self-discovery type it, of It really process. is. And they, the, we, you know, we had some of the fundamentals, but it was never like you need to do this or that, you know, and uh, um, I think as I've gotten older, a little bit out of college, starting to be a professional, I started to really, like, focus in on it more because I, I think when you're a kid and, like you said, everything's going good, it's, you're not as locked in as you should be, and so um, 
this whole process has helped me with that relationship. Are you able to find time to actually you know, sit by yourself and reflect? I mean, do you have a routine to stay connected? Yeah, I have to do a better job of finding more time. I do find time, but it needs to be a lot better. So it's something that I'm something that I'm working on. Thank you for that. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So that's be the one tidbit that you'll There you go. Take, I'll definitely take that with me. Your, and I'm guilty of it as well. Mm. I mean, life gets moving so fast. Yes. You know, and I didn't come into my faith until I was probably 36, 37 and I'm I just turned 48, you know, and so you know, I, I hear of people's stories talking about how faith has been a big part of their life early on in their life. Mm. And there's times I'm jealous, right. you know, that, man, I wish I could have had that years ago because that would have helped me in certain struggles throughout my life. But everybody has their own journey. Right. And you come, as I mentioned, talking about the, your own pathway and self-discovery. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have been ready mm. to fully accept Christ, you know, at that point, uh, you know, but through trials and tribulations, right. you know, everybody has their own the walk. And so now I'm very grateful <laughs> that mm. I have that, that foundation. Going back to the family, the competitiveness, though, yeah. how, when you say you had a competitive family, but I, give me the rundown. How oh competitive gosh. were you and your siblings? And even with your parents, because they're oh. obviously yeah, had to be very competitive. Okay, I'll give you an example. So we used to go to eat, like as a family, right? And... Um, Sometimes my mom would be there. So say it was like my dad and the four kids. Um, he would, we would eat and he would like act like he was going to the restroom, sneak out, like pay the bill, sneak out. And we'd all look at each other, you know, five, ten minutes go by. And we would be like, oh, shoot. And take off out of the restaurant. He'd have the car like rolling around the parking lot. And you see these four kids run out. And he would just start driving. And if you didn't get into the car, if you didn't make it, you were walking home. So you were running for your life. Like, so my dad oh, would this take... this is no joke. I sw- this happened every time we went out to eat. <laughs> like, I don't know how he caught us every time, but we would be mid, like, you wouldn't even finish your food before he'd be like, oh, no. Like, so he would take off and we'd send two kids one way and two kids the other way because it's like, if he backs up, he's not going to back up into us. And the other ki- two kids could catch him, you know. Oh my gosh. So you guys got smart about it though. We, well, eventually, it the first couple times we did not, but eventually we started to get it. But yeah, you better make it in the truck or you're not, you're not getting a ride home. Were there times where you had to walk? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my dad and I would go play pickup a lot, pick up basketball uh, Saturday mornings. And I'd walk home after that, um, <laughs> mostly because I was mad he didn't give me the ball. <laughs> My dad, especially when the game's on the line, he thinks he's Kobe. Like, he thinks he can have oh, that he wants to take over. turnaround baseline jumper. I'm like, Dad, it doesn't go in like him. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, we would get into it. You know, I'm like, come on, man, I just hit six threes. Like, give me the ball. But it's all, it's all love. Well, but. he's te- teaching you patience. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. More patience. But I still haven't learned. Yeah, exactly. Now, were your parents, did they drive you into sports or did they just let you figure out which one you wanted to gravitate towards? You know, one of the things that I'm like so grateful for that hopefully, you know, if I get a chance to have kids um, that I'm going to instill in my kids is we work hard at whatever we do, but my parents never pushed me into anything. It was like, what would you like to do? 
and you know, Dad, I want to try uh, baseball, soccer, and volleyball. Okay, cool. So when you take that on, you need to play the whole season because you know there's times you don't like the coach, you don't like your team, whatever. You could never quit anything, and whatever you started, you had to finish. But you could pick whatever you wanted. So it became very. And then when I say you could pick whatever you wanted, it was like, okay, this is the team. Here's the number. Call the coach. Ask him what time practice is. Tell him you'll be there. So it's like as a kid, you're held responsible for not only meeting this relationship with the new coach or team, but you need to find out what time practice is, and then you need to let your parents know, and then you're going to be there. So it made me super independent and responsible from a young age. Did you push back though initially, like Dad? I mean, at first, I mean, at first I'm like, come on, like (laughs) you do it, you know, and no, if you want to go do it. And it was just very simple. So, you know, I'm over here 12 years old. Hey coach, my name's Kelsey Poole. I'm trying to come out for your team. What time is practice? You know, they're like, coaches are like looking at me like, wait a second. Cause I know that had to be rare. And they would compliment my parents after the fact. And looking back on it, I see how rare that is. But at the time I just thought like, they're busy. They have other things to do. I have to do this. Um, but then it makes you also as a kid, like, no, you want to be there. I had to call. I had to figure out what all this stuff was. Now when I'm, when I'm there, I'm going to be engaged. Oh, you're committed. Yeah. No one is t- making me be there or anything like that. So I'm definitely, that's something that I, I really respected that my parents did and was never a force of any type. I think that's a such a valuable attribute to learn at an early age and as parents and one day you will experience it is that there's that tough balance though in terms of allowing your kids to go through some opportunities where they might fail yeah and not take over for them you know and that's a challenge and so it sounds like your parents were able to at least have a understanding of how to balance that uh, as best they could, because as a parent, we have no handbook. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's you know? so true. And and it's tough at times. As you mentioned that doing those things, and your parents talking about, hey, you're committed, you can't quit. Were there times where you ever wanted to quit, though? Oh my gosh, all the time, all the time. You know, something's not going right. As a kid, you're just like, I'm. I want to be done with this. Like, I'm not good at it, or we suck. We're losing all these games, <laughs> or whatever it is. You know. Yeah, so did you ever want to quit basketball? Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, when I first got into high school, I was a freshman. I was playing in varsity, and um, my coach was like, she was really hard on me. And I remember I'd come home and I'd complain to my my dad or my mom. (laughs) I'd be like, Mom, like, coach is crazy, whatever, and – my mom or my dad, whoever, would come to practice and watch. My parents weren't like yellers or anything like that. They would just be, you know, they would watch. And then I got in the car and they'd be like, yeah, she's right. You don't move your feet on defense. You turn over the ball <laughs> and you can't make a right-handed layup. Like, go practice. So you're then like, all of a second. S- yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, you're on her side? No, she's just right. She's trying to help you. So it was never like, uh, and I, I love that. Now, as a kid, you don't love it. You don't don't want to hear that. But I loved it because it was so real, you know, and it was like, this is what you need to do. 
Um, you know, my dad would be like, Plumber, you're a stick. You need to go lift. Like, you look slow out there. Okay? Like, you know? And so you're right. It is like that balance because not every kid or every person wants to hear, like, you're not good at this or this or whatever. But honestly, I, I really enjoyed it because it just made it. And I know till this day, I could call my mom and be like, Mom, what'd you think? She'd be like, and she'll tell you? Yeah, she will. My dad, same, you know? And so I always respect that because it, it was never like fluff, you know? My mom doesn't do sugar. I always say like, <laughs> sometimes I'll be like, Mom, I need sugar on it. Yes, please, just it's a little always bit. always salt. And it was, yeah. it was just like, she's right. Wow. So. But again, that shapes you though. Yeah. What about the whole time where you made the decision, I read up on the story in high school, where you go to a different high school. Mm-hmm. Was that a challenge and was that a controversial decision or what was that like? That was, again, one of those things that um, my parents, I had, my two oldest sisters had gone to Poway High, which is where I should have gone. And um, I went out, you know, in the summer you have like summer league. So I was an eighth grader going into high school and I played with the varsity like summer league. And uh, I played in a couple games and I remember this one game, I, I, I get it. Like, I'm not going to start. I'm a freshman. No problem. You know, I get it. Yeah, you got to earn your way. I get it. No problem. Um, so we're playing in this game. We're down by, like, 20. Coach subs me in, and I just went off. Like, I had, like, this great game. Brought us back. Almost won. We lost at the end, but it was, like, real close. After the game, the coach pulls me over, and he says, you shot too much. And I remember I walked out, looked at my dad, I said, Dad, I can't play for this man. It wasn't that, it, like, he told me I shot too much. It was just the way it was, like. Was it the tone and the body language It was just combined? one of those things I was like, Dad, this, this man can't help me, like, get better. Because it was like, why did I shoot too much? We were down by 20. I, we were going to lose the game anyways. I came in firing. What else, what else should I do, you know? Um, but it was like this. I don't know. I just had this feeling. And I think I totally attribute that to God. I think God makes things very clear in your life. And my dad was like, okay. You had a gut feeling immediately. It was right away. I I told my dad, I said, dad, I can't play for this man. And my dad said, okay, plumber, like, we'll see. We'll look at some other options. And then I looked at La Jolla Country Day, which is McKinnis Wiggins went there, Sharda Houston, or not Sharda Houston, excuse me, but um, Janae Fulcher, Toya Cunningham, like, I think Coach Bamford has put like 25 Division One athletes in colleges. Like, it's a crazy number. And uh, I was like, Dad, this is where I want to go. Okay. And so it was just like, I don't know. I think God just made it very clear. Yeah. And the rest is history. Well, going to high school in La Jolla is not bad either. No, <laughs> it's, a great it's not bad to go to school in La Jolla. <laughs> take anything away from Poway. Poway, no. Yes. La Jolla was yeah, yeah, the but place I'm, to be. I'm familiar with San Diego. We. When my wife and I first got married, we lived oh. there for two years. Oh, really? Yeah. What so this, part? this, we were in Scripps Ranch. So okay. we were, we lived in La Jolla temporarily uh-huh. when we first moved out there, and then bought a house in Scripps Ranch. Mm-hmm. You know, a little more inland. Yeah. Uh, San Diego, it's just amazing. It's and our amazing. oldest child, he was actually born in San Diego. Okay, cool. As well. So, but again, this was in 1999, right. 2000. You know, long, long time ago, and I just remember. 
I, the one regret that I have is that I didn't take advantage of San Diego enough. Mm. You know, there's just so much to do out there. Yeah. You know, so again, La Jolla is a great place to <laughs> go. How was your transition, though, going into La Jolla High School, though, as and you're leaving your friends? Yeah, La Jolla Country Day was, it was, uh, I didn't know one person. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I think... Like I'm a, I'm a person of faith and I just was like, I'm just going to do this. It was kind of like, yeah, was your attitude? I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to roll with it. I was like, this is what I want to do. And, uh, you know, this is the coach I want to play for. And I knew some of the girls on the basketball team. So that helped. Um, but I made friends pretty quick. It, w- it wasn't that bad. You know, I love that school to this day. Like I go back every chance I get. Um, I think there's like a, I missed the, it was like the, I forget what year, reunion, uh, high school reunion, but like I saw all the pictures. Uh, I was in Turkey playing, so I, but maybe the next one I can go, but um, I made a, lit- a lot of great like friendships from that school, so yeah. that was like one of the best decisions of my life. Well, obviously then it propelled you into mm-hmm. getting to the University of Washington. How was the recruiting process though? Like, now all of a yeah. sudden you get, you know, you got people coming after you. Yeah. Um, again, it was kind of similar to the taking a different path type thing, you know. Um, Washington was not on the map. We hadn't gone to the tournament in like seven, eight years. I think they were like ninth in the Pac-12. And it was just kind of like, I want to do something different. I don't know. Uh, my sister went to Oregon when they were like not that good, and she took them to the national championship. And so I just kind of I like always love that. I love that underdog. I love that like I don't want to join them. I want to beat them type mentality. And uh, I could have gone to you know a Tennessee or a whatever type of school, but I don't know. I just wanted to do something different. And I really liked Coach Neighbors. I liked what he had and um yeah what was his message to you then he so he was the assistant when I was recruited and then right um before like my senior year McGuff Kevin McGuff left uh to get the job at Ohio State and neighbors took over as the head coach and um I just kind of said like coach if you stay I stay and he got the job I kept my word um but I I really liked his ideas about like the straight up like offense um, in terms of like the dribble drive and how how it could like help me and highlight my game and then I loved the girls that were coming in like who I was playing with my teammates that was super important to me um, the city of Seattle is beautiful and the University of Washington it's a great school to go to so there was like a lot of highlights but it was definitely a leap of faith because we were not very good and it's just kind of like, and I got so much backlash for it. I mean, I'm telling you, like, really? In what way? I mean, I was a McDonald's All-American. So, you know, you have all these people going to Stanford and Notre Dame and Connecticut. And then why are you going to Washington? What, what, is, it, what is Washington? Like, Washington State? No, 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 Washington. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where is that? Seattle? Oh, that's in the Pac-10? No, it's in the Pac-12. Like, people don't know. They don't just kind of have to but you thrived in that decision. yeah I loved it I loved it um it was hard 
it was hard, but I... What was I, the hardest thing about it? Changing the culture. Changing the culture. You know, as a freshman coming in, you know, they had me playing 38 minutes a game, and I think I was, like, averaging 20. So it was, like, it was very clear from the jump, like, this was the new direction we're going. And when you do that and you're young, not a lot of people... Um, gravitate towards that, you know, especially the seniors that have been there, worked their yeah, way up. Was there some resentment? Oh, there was a lot. There was a lot. It was really hard. Um, but Is again, it, I like I, I wanted to leave. Nope, not going to quit. Yeah, had to stick it out. Got to stick it out. And then sure enough, it worked out. Now, are you a vocal leader or are you a leader by example? Just, you know, a quiet leader, but by action. No, I would say I'm, I'm a combo. I'm not a yeller or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm intense, but I'm not like negative. I think I'm like very positive, like outgoing. Um, I try to lead by example though, cause I feel like, you know, if someone is watching you do something, if you're not doing it, why would they do it? It builds trust once they see Absolutely. your actions are mimicking what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. You know, but that's a lot of times that doesn't always apply though. <laughs> you see <laughs> that's people very that true. do one thing and say something completely different. Mm -hmm. Now you see Washington is actually, the culture is changing. Was there a moment that you felt that, all right, we're, we've got some opportunities to be really good here at Washington. What year did you kind of feel that that was starting to build? Well, honestly, my freshman year, um, we beat number two Stanford. And we didn't beat them, we like beat them. You know, it wasn't like a buzzer beater type. It was like we, from start to finish, won that game. Yeah, and you had a good game too. And, well, everyone <laughs> had a great game. It was like the, everyone played, and it was one of those um, moments I was like, we, we might have something here. And then the next year we would beat like two, three more teams like that. So it was only that game my freshman year that we won, like upset. In my sophomore year, we beat like three or four ranked teams. And then my junior year, a couple more. And then I remember going to the tournament and we just, it was like, I kid you not, it was like magic. I know it sounds very cliche, but it was just kind of like we played Penn. And we, we were the higher seed. We should have won. We won. The next game we played Maryland in Maryland. And it's just like something clicked. We beat Maryland in Maryland. Then we went and we played Kentucky in Kentucky. And that was crazy. There was like 15,000 fans sold out in Kentucky, all blue. There was like this little pot of purple and we beat them by like 12, 14. And then we played Stanford again. We beat Stanford and then went to the final four. Like it was just kind of one of those magic runs. I know, it, it's storybook. It was crazy. It's crazy. It was pandemonium. It was crazy. But, now, and do you thrive playing on the road against the crowd or at home with the support of the crowd? I like the road. I like the road. Why is that? It's just, I don't know. I think it's way more fun. Like, it's fun to play at home. Don't get me wrong. But something about the road is like, it's nice to like just quiet people down. You know what I mean? When they're like, you're like, yeah. You just, I, I just have that feeling. I love, I love playing against that. Are you a trash talker? No, no, not really. I'm actually usually like, wow, that was a good move. I was like, yo, that was nice. You know, people look like, I think you got to give people their props. 
But now, are you playing a psychological game no, against them? No, no, it's that, not that deep. Are you saying that just to it's maybe not try that to deep. get in their head? No, no. like even even when we play, you're just like, giving them the respect. Absolutely. Even when we play, like in the league, whoever I'm guarding, if they make a nice move or a nice, I'll say, I'll be like, "Yo, that was nice." Or I'll like overseas. Um, I just got done playing against uh, Chelsea Gray in like the finals. She's so good at using like pick and rolls, like snaking pick and rolls, going in and out. And in the middle of the game, I'm talking to her. I'm like, "Yo, where are you going to do this?" She was just like, "Yo, watch watch film on uh, Kyrie." Okay, great. Like, I think you can pick up little tidbits anywhere. But um, yeah, I think. I'll, yeah, I've always been a big believer of a ask advice from people who have been through things, experienced yeah, it, right? Absolutely. Why try to reinvent the wheel? No. And if you can pick up information, why not? And I think people will be very, maybe at first, kind of like, what is this? And then they'll straight up be like, no, do this. Okay. So do you watch a lot of film? I do. I do. I, I'm going to even start watching more, but um, I watch a lot like on our team. I watch a lot of other teams. Obviously, I love watching NBA, like the finals. This finals is interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> this next game will be like so crucial. It's amazing how things can turn so quickly once you throw an injury or two in the mix, right? I mean, Looney's out. Can Clay? Can he is, even play? Right. Do we know about Clay? Like, and if he does play, is he going to be effective? I mean, I think he's still going to be effective, but defensively, he takes a lot of responsibility. So, and hey, once you start messing with a hammy, ooh, a hammy is like <laughs> right. tough. What's the worst injury you've had? Worst injury I've had. Pain-wise, I got my forefront teeth knocked out. That hurt. Did you take an elbow? I took an elbow right, right to the. To the gums. I had my two front teeth knocked out. Yeah. But this was as an adult in a YMCA <laughs> league. Someone popped you? <laughs> yes. Elbow? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How did, how did yours happen? Similar. I got popped in the elbow, uh, post player, and... Uh, did it knock you out? It, it didn't knock me out. My teeth got, like, pushed back, um, so you couldn't really see. And it was, uh, it was at, like, a high school tournament. And my mom, she's actually a certified, like, uh, athletic trainer. And so she's, she worked in college, and she still is certified to this day. She's very calm. My mom is just very stoic, like her face. You know, she doesn't react to a lot of things. And I remember, like, growing up, it was one of those things, like, if you're going to get hurt on the court, it better be legit. Like, we don't cry about boo-boos and then, like, <laughs> you come back in 10 minutes later. Like, if you're going to get carried off, you better be done. Like, that was yeah, just kind of like broken our... broken bone. Yeah, yeah, that was our family thing, you know? And so um, I'm sitting on the ground and I'm, like, holding my mouth and they call my mom down and I walk off to the side and my mom's like, you know, like, let me see. And I go like this and there's, like, nothing there. She's just straight-faced. I kid you not. She goes, okay, get your stuff. We're going to go to the dentist. She didn't react. Not at all. And then, of course, as a kid, you're not going to react when your parent is like, you know. So I'm walking in the parking lot, and I'm like, let me see. And I look in a car mirror, and I was like, oh! And I took off, <laughs> I took off to the car, you know? And, like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? And I get in the car, and I remember 
My mom is driving to the dentist. She's not even speeding. Like, just, you can lose your teeth in like 10 minutes if you don't get it together. My mom's just driving. She looks over, she goes, I told you to wear a mouth guard. <laughs> <laughs> like, mom, this is not the time. Yeah, this might not be the best time to teach me a life lesson, right? <laughs> About a mouth guard. This is my mom. Uh, again, though, I, I admire what your parents have been able to mm-hmm. do on so many different fronts, you know, from that side of thing. Uh, because when you do see people overreacting, yeah. that can now put panic in or stress absolutely or even more stress in the situation than it needs to be absolutely you know, from from that standpoint what about going overseas to play what's that like i mean you're in a whole new culture and yeah now obviously basketball is basketball wherever it's played mm-hmm. but you have to assimilate yourself into a whole new culture i think that just that fascinates me how you're able to do that it's so tough you know, I've been in Turkey for the past two years, and, um, you know, Turkey is, like, it's a Muslim country, so they don't celebrate Christmas. So this past year, I went seven months without even going home. Like, I didn't, I didn't even get to the States. So I, I left in October after the World Championships, and then I got back in May. And it was just like... I presume that's the longest time you've ever been just outside of the U.S. Straight through, yeah. I mean, the previous year, I got to go back. I had a break uh, in February. But it's tough. It's really tough. And it's... Um, How lonely is it? Ooh. Fortunately, I had three other Americans on my team. They have passports, so they can play as Europeans. Um but they all three played in the WNBA, Kia Vaughn, Bria Hartley, and Kia Stokes. So that was like literally godsend because that becomes like your family. Like you guys hang out, you go eat together, you go wherever together, you go shopping together, wherever. Um, and that makes it a lot less lonely. But the previous year, I only had one American. Um, and it was just, it's hard. It's so hard. Uh, and it's the time change is what is so difficult because when you go to bed, they wake up. And when they wake up, you go to bed. Yeah, so it's hard to communicate So with you can family. really catch people at certain times when people work. So, Ooh. How often do you talk to your parents? Um, I talk to my parents a couple times a week. It, it depends. I, you know, I get to see them. I get to see my, my dad and... The rest of my siblings, in like a couple of weeks, they're going to come out to Vegas for a game. But my mom, I'll see in New York, so that'll be nice. Um, I wish I, I wish I would talk to him more, but yeah, life, life can be busy. Life is life. Life is life. I know. I, I know. I know. My mom probably thinks the same thing. He's like, man, I never talked to my son. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, it's not you know, anything intentional. That's exactly. right. It's just the day goes by and. Then another day goes by. It's just crazy you know, from that perspective. One of the other things that I think is so unique in sports is this whole situation where you can be on a team and one team can move uh, like you've experienced, which is crazy. And then the other, which you haven't necessarily experienced, but other than some teammates, is being traded. 
I think it's one of the most bizarre things yeah. in uh, industry, sports that is, that a player can be traded. And I, I know that's common in sports, but I look at any other industry, like, can you imagine if you're a worker at Microsoft and one day they come to you and say, yeah, you've been traded to Google. Yeah. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. It, you know, so how have some of your teammates or how do you view being able to handle situations like that? You know, this past like off season, I was in Turkey and I got a call from my best friend. Um, Nia just got traded to Atlanta like that. Like, I was so sad, like I lost it. And, you know, I know she was sad too. Um, and I know she's in a good situation now, but. Yeah, but you just don't know. You just don't know. It's and like unknown. you said, it's just the nature of the beast. Like one day everything's good, the next you're gone. And it can be performance related. It could be, you're playing great, but they want some, like a different piece. It could be, you know, money, like salary cap issues. Like sometimes it's just so out of your control. It is. It, and, I, and I think there's. I don't know if people really examine the psychological mm. effect on people, right? especially if you've ever had any type of anxiety or, or voids in your life of not feeling loved mm. or not feeling wanted, uh, which a lot of people can go through and then have somebody, yeah, you're traded. Right. That's in essence saying, yeah, you're not wanted here. Right. You know, and then how does, then you have to overcome that to be able to, play at a very high level because other people are competing for your job then. And I think it's just very difficult. Uh, and I don't think it gets enough attention. I've talked to several other people that I've had guests on the podcast, like Kendall Gill talking about, uh, he has traded a couple of times and mm. a lot of times, I mean, it was to your point out of the blue, right? I mean, he just gets a call from his agent. Hey, just want to let you know <laughs> you've been traded from Charlotte. You know, it just it just blows my mind how that is. So I, I always just like to hear your other people's perspective. And like, even to add on to that, people have houses, kids, their kids are in school. Like, there's so many things that um, the public just doesn't account for or see. You know, um, and then it's crazy because you'll get traded, and two days later you're in a game playing with this team in another city with a different offense, with a different coach. With, and it's just like, why aren't you performing? That's right. And back to the original point we had talked about earlier, is like, why aren't you playing to what we expect you to play or how we expect you to play? Like, I wasn't traded, but I moved from San Antonio. And I came late because I was playing in Turkey. So we had a new coach, almost a completely new team. And I came late. So, like, I missed, like, two regular season games. Missed all of the training camp. So I have an entire new, like, playbook. I'm a point guard playing for a new coach with a brand-new team in a new city. And people are like, why aren't you playing good? Why, why aren't you? I'm like, can I, can I move into my apartment? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm still living in a hotel I'm, I'm right now. I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, just learn people's names the other day. Like, and I know basketball is basketball. So it's like you have to still find yourself, find your identity, but it's – it is not easy. That's a tough transition. It is not easy. Regardless of what you're doing. And Absolutely. That's why I, I get so undervalued mm. how tough it can be, mm. uh, to your point, that 
the general public, they just don't understand. Right. You know, because they've never had to experience, you know, situations like that where changes are being made without your decision, basically. Right. You know, and, and that, that's a, a tough part. Now, as you're, you're still young, when I say young, you know, you're 24 years old or whatever, I'm double your age, uh-huh. but we all go through different experiences. And like we had mentioned, you know, it's always valuable to lean on people who've been through different experiences. So from your perspective, through your experiences so far, what would you tell a young Ooh. Kelsey Plum now? Good question. I wish I would have enjoyed the process more. I think I was still on something that I have to work on, but it's, I've always been like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Okay, good, I got that, next, next. And then you look back and you kind of, you kind of miss out on like that joy of doing what, or like, good job. Like I did it, you know? I remember I had this great like college career and I got drafted and then I'm just, okay, WNBA, like gotta do this, that. I didn't like celebrate any of it. I didn't enjoy it. I just kind of was just like a machine. And I look back and I really regret that. And I, I can't get that back, but you know, for the next thing, I have to really try to work on like yeah, savor the moment. Absolutely. Right? Be um, in the moment. Yes. And so that's been difficult because it's it's like a beast, like this profession. It's just on to the next, on the road, this, that, this country, this country. You know what I mean? And <laughs> you just have to figure out ways to like savor the moment. So. And what about in terms of like words of wisdom? Mm. Like, do you have phrases, quotes, or mottos, or just life advice that you've leaned on over the years? Um, well, the John Wooden quote, uh, working hard doesn't guarantee success, but not working hard guarantees failure. I've always like, loved that one. Um, I think, like I do rely on some scriptures, but um, I think for the most part, just like the words of wisdom of you know, talking to my parents, talking to my family. Um, my mom always tries to reiterate, like, make sure you're having fun. I think sometimes I can get caught up in like, a lot of things, but um, like I play this game because I love it, not because of this or the accolades or whatever. Like I play. Yeah, because if the I, accolades weren't there, you would still I, love like, playing. I play because I, I don't play for the money. I don't play. I play because I love it and. I think when I'm doing that, that's when I'm at my best. So just always trying to remain grounded in that is super important. Now you mentioned also, you didn't really have a plan B. So. No, that's probably not good to say out loud. I don't know know if I should tell people that. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't playing basketball as a a career? I don't know your philosophy because I've heard like, Different people say, well, it's good that you didn't have a plan B because you put all your energy in plan A. And then I've also heard, like, what do you mean you didn't have a plan B? Like, what would you have done? I think, um, I mean, I'd like to do sports broadcasting. But that was, like, always my plan after basketball. So maybe that would have gotten, like, 
more attention. Yeah. So maybe subconsciously you had a plan B, but the drive was the plan A and Correct. WNBA. Yeah. And, and I firmly believe to reach certain levels, you have to be so laser focused uh, and have that type of drive. And a, a lot of times it's that fear of failure that drives you to, well, for me to get there, I can't think about a plan B because I don't want to right. view that as a failure. I, right. I, I want to focus on this plan A. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, just everybody's motivated different ways. Right? <laughs> For sure. What about, can you sum up what sports just means to you? And Ooh. Um, I love sports because I feel like it's allowed me to connect with like so many different people in different realms. Like we can all look different, talk different, come from different places. But at the end of the day, when the game's on, we're all sitting around watching the game, you know? It's the I, ultimate connector. I would not be sitting here talking to you if it, if it weren't for basketball, you know? And I've, I've seen so many places around the world um, because of basketball. And I've had the opportunity to meet so many different, like, teammates, women that I've played with, and I love and I cherish those friendships only because I've been able to play basketball. So um, I'm super grateful for those, like, type of connections that I've I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's the ultimate connector. Yes. It really is lifelong relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, because, And I know a lot of people sometimes will try to equate it to battle, to war, right. you know, and all that. And, I, you know, I, I understand there's obviously <laughs> a very significant difference between the two. But there are the similarities just in terms of you're coming together for this one unified goal. Mm. And that's what I think is amazing as far as how it can bring people together. Right. Not only if you're actually playing or if you're just a fan, you know, that you're, you know, wanting your rooted team mm. to have success. Uh, I, I do believe sports is much more than just what a lot of people give it credit for. I agree with that. All right. As we wrap up here, Uh-oh. the trivia question. No. <laughs> okay, good. Trivia question. I'm going to pull out a prop. Okay. All right. Look at these bad boys. Oh, my and, goodness. And if anybody's listening on just the audio, you need to go check out the YouTube channel so you can actually see what I'm presenting here. Uh-huh. It's a huge pair of sneakers, Converse. Can you identify the signature? This man, Bill Ambeer. Yes. <laughs> what size are these? Uh, you know, we need to look. I can't remember. Right. These I gotta might, take a picture and, and show these. These might be size 17. See if you can these see. These are like worn from him? These are worn. Uh, I oh, can't I see the tag. I don't think the tag is in there. That's the how tag old might it is. Not be in. It's, uh, yeah, so I, he gave me these when I was a senior in high school. Wow. 1988. I'm wow. from the Atlanta area. Yeah. So the Pistons came into town. And I was, like I mentioned, I was a gym rat and I used to go to the Hawks games all the time. Yeah. And I got to know the security guards and they would just let me in the games for free, you know, through the back door. And I got to a point where I was just asking players for their shoes. And Bill Lambeer gave me his shoes and signed them 
1988. So, like, how can guys even are in, how can they play in these shoes? <laughs> Look at, That's these crazy. Are clunkers, Let right? me see these. <laughs> these are actually not as bad as I thought. Didn't they used to play in like Chucks? Yes, they did. Yes. Now that was even yeah, that was farther even back. Further but back. Yes, these shoes are older than you. <laughs> so there's a piece of history for you oh that's crazy yes well kelsey i can't thank you enough for taking time you know out of your schedule and i greatly appreciate it it's, it's been an honor thanks for having me so often in life we fail to slow down and really enjoy our experiences that we go through not only each year but each and every day. And Kelsey seems to be understanding just how important it is to savor the moment and even enjoy the process because life moves so fast for all of us and it's hard to be patient at times and even more so when you're the underdog. Now that finishes episode 112 and more of our content can be found by visiting our Rich Take on Sports Facebook page and YouTube channel where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.